The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. From Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you for joining us today. I'm very glad that you're listening, and thank you for liking us on Facebook. You can find Spirit of Recovery on Facebook. Thank you for posting on there, and thank you for your emails, and I am very glad to know that what we're doing here on the Spirit of Recovery is making a difference for you. That is just fantastic, and so... Um, we're very glad that you're listening with us today. And I want to thank you also for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community and your unity community and your other spiritual communities know about us here uh, at Spirit of Recovery. We're broadcasting, of course, on unityonlineradio.org, and uh, there are lots of great shows on this network. Every week we do bring topics that are important to you, to the recovery community. We have guests who are down to earth, who are knowledgeable and who are innovative. People who are in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people. And they're always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You know, you can listen to us here at the Spirit of Recovery on uh, live through your computer. You can access our archives on demand. Uh, and we've got lots of great shows archived there, and you can get there by going to unityonlineradio.org backslash program backslash spirit of recovery. I want you to know that the spirit of recovery is a welcoming place, and so if you're a person in recovery from any kind of an addiction, or if you're a family member that's in your own recovery as a family member, or a family member or friend of somebody that has the disease of addiction, whether or not uh, they're in recovery or whether or not you're in recovery as a family member, you are very welcome here on the Spirit of Recovery. We're glad to have you also if you're just curious about recovery, you're just looking for information, you just want to learn a little bit more. We're uh, glad to have you listening and we welcome you as part of our discussions. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor. I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and uh, use of the 12-step principles in my life and a path of spiritual development. So my walk today is an integration of the unity principles and the recovery principles, and that keeps transforming my life and keeps me growing for sure. So I am very grateful and very delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas about recovery and spirituality with you, and also to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and recovery. Today, our topic is Say Yes to the Good Stuff. Uh, You know, one of the biggest tasks of recovery, and maybe it's really the hardest task, is learning to accept the good stuff. Today, my guest is the host of another online radio show, not on the Unity Network, uh, but on another network. Her show is Sober in the City. My guest's name is Debbie Strand, and you can listen to her program. It's www.soberinthecity.com. 
easy to find. And Debbie has been active with this program since the fall of 2010. And she does a wonderful job of outreach uh, to people who are looking for recovery, to people who are already in recovery. And on her program, Sober in the City, she brings a variety of guests. And they talk about real recovery from real addiction and how uh, you can truly grow up and create a life that is positive and a life that is constructive. And Debbie herself has a wonderful story about how she accepts good in her life and how she is of service to others, and she does love to share about that. So, Debbie, thank you for being my guest today, uh, for reversing roles a bit. Thank you for being with me on Spirit of Recovery. Thanks, Ann. It's great to be here. Glad you're here. So, first of all, please tell us about your program, Sober in the City, and how you got interested in it, how you got that going. Well, when I was about two years sober, uh, where I was going to meetings here in South Florida, there was uh, a guy who had been uh, very instrumental in radio and music and had a big career in music, let's say, and he wanted to start a radio show about recovery, and he picked me for his co-host. I watched this man uh, put together probably one of the first radio shows that was out there about addictions. I mean, it was genius at the time. Uh, Dr. Drew was just coming out with Celebrity Rehab. Addictions and rehab and recovery was really just coming to the mainstream. And I think it was so important that we all started that work and try to let everyone know that this happens to a lot of people, and people do recover from this. It's like, it's like the addicts and the alcoholics are the lepers of today's society. And what society needs to do is remove that stigma of shame so that people who are sick with this disease can reach out and get the help that they need and turn their lives around and become, again, productive members of society. Um, unfortunately, the man who started the program that I was on became very sick with his own addictions. We had had a car accident about two months apart from each other, his first and then mine, and we both went to the chiropractor and massage therapy. I moved into physical therapy. He went on pain pills. Um, I kept pushing and moving forward and pushing myself through very painful physical therapy and continuing my daily activities, and he isolated in his room and stayed in the dark and became a victim and felt sorry for himself and invoked pity out of other people who would then enable him. And I watched the man die about two years later after this started happening to him or happening through uh, an accumulation of his choices. And I watched the differences between when you'll fight for your recovery and do what it takes no matter what versus becoming a victim and laying down and not doing what you're supposed to do for yourself for your recovery. So over the next year, as we tried to reorganize the company and figure out what we were going to do, I brought a girlfriend in, and we recorded shows for a year. Thankfully, I've been able to delete all of them because they were were really bad. (laughs) But through the process of teaching myself how to uh, become a host myself. I became very proficient in it and very comfortable in it as my recovery progressed and I became more comfortable in my own skin. I became comfortable in speaking to people and questioning people and always questioning this thing called growth and recovery. I always wanted to look for what's next. What do I do next? We talk about seeking through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with the God of our understanding. And I think that word seek, and I seek out so many different things. And, you know, the basic text of uh, the program that I work tells us to look outside of the program for answers. You know, so this tells me that just sitting in 12-step recovery meetings is not the whole program. There's so much more that encompasses it. And what I wanted to do, number one, was bring that growth to light to other people because I didn't get sober to just sit in 12-step meetings. I got sober to get a life and to get a good life and a big life because I feel like I was destined for a lot and I want to help a lot of people. But the other reason is, too, that I know before I got into recovery, when I wanted to want to get sober, And anybody who's been through that or is there now will understand that statement. When I wanted to want to get sober, 
I wasn't quite there yet, but I wanted to want to. I wish that there were 12-step meetings on TV so I could look at it and I could maybe start to get a grip of it, maybe so I wouldn't be so afraid to walk into a meeting. I think now, perhaps, with all the Internet programs, the church programs, the TV programs, that maybe we've removed some of that stigma. And kind of recovery is like where the cool kids are now. (laughs) I mean, I was a little past the age of, you know, thinking about hanging with the cool kids. But hopefully the younger people can get this program earlier now. I mean, there was a guy sharing in a meeting last night, and he says, well, I got here late. And I wanted to respond to him, you got here. You're never too late. And one of the things I say in my show all the time is where there is breath, there is hope. So my partners found a uh, spot for me out in Riverside, California. We've been on the air out there for a while. Um, You know, I I would like to launch it here in my hometown in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, in the Palm Beaches, which is where where I live and where it's been home for me for 26 years. I was raised in New Jersey but love it here and call this home. And, um, you know, we have stations around the country that are ready to take us, and, you know, we're in the process of lining up some sponsorship. And, of course, anybody out there who wants to sponsor the program, you know, bring it. Um, We'd certainly love to launch in some other cities and get this thing going. I want to spread the message of recovery to those who need it, for those who don't know they need it, maybe you'll tune in and hear something that will catch them by surprise. I want to be there for the families that don't know what to do with their children. I want to be there for the wives whose husbands didn't come home the night before and they're feeling unloved and rejected, not understanding that their husband is sick and that it doesn't have to do with them and that they don't have to own that hurt. You know, there's so much hurt going on in the world surrounding addictions and people don't need to feel that and I think people like yourself and and myself and so many others that are doing what we do and things that are similar, you know, we can really make a difference in the world. You know, I I don't think we're ever going to eradicate addiction. I'm not delusional about that, but I think we can definitely make a difference. Thank you, and Debbie. That's wonderful, and it's so obvious that you have made a lot of choices to uh, stay in recovery, and as you said, not just to sit in the rooms, but to really get out there and do what it takes to help your life expand so that you can uh, have that life, have that big life that lives inside of you, and Obviously, you know, getting out there, doing your outreach uh, through the radio program and so forth is a big way to do that. What are some other ways that you have found? You, I know that you a lot. You have a lot of guests on your show. You, as you said, you do a lot of different things. What are some of the key things that you do or have done that help you to expand your recovery to keep it going forward? Well, <coughs> excuse me. I've been suffering with a cold the last couple of weeks. Um, to keep my recovery fresh is just to keep seeking for looking for what is the next thing that I can do? What is the next area of growth? How can I keep expanding? I don't want to be um, contracted or trapped or controlled or told what to do. You know, I'm like anybody else that, that ended up with addictions, you know, I'm this free spirit and I want to find out what else can I do? Now, through doing the radio show has been terrific, too, because, you know, I'll bring up a topic or I'll post something on Facebook quite often, and I'll have all my followers on Facebook write in what they're thinking about, and I'll ask questions uh, for things that I'm wondering about, um, and then doing the research and trying to find those answers or calling up an expert and hearing what they have to say keeps me expanding. I've done things like, let's see, EMDR, which is a um, something that I've done with a therapist. It's like light or beeps and from one ear to the other. It helps to reduce trauma to take the sting out of certain um, uh, post-traumatic stress events. There's also something called rapid reduction therapy, which they kind of bring you almost to where the bad event happened, but they take you out of the picture right there. So you don't have to relive the event. You don't have to relive it with the MDR either. I mean, that's a lot of the reasons why people don't want to go to therapies or look at the things that have happened in the past because they don't want to relive them. They don't want to write a fourth step about them. They don't want to write about the things that happened to them that were painful because they feel like they're going to relive it and it brings that pain back up. And what I've found through my research and my my journey 
is that those things are there. Those things are still there. It's like a, a stinky bag of garbage under the counter, and you've got to go under there, and you've got to take that garbage out, and you've got to carry it to the curb, and it's heavy, and it stinks, and it's horrible. But once you get it to the curb, the garbage man comes and takes it away. And my analogy of that is, is we've got all those bad things in our brain. They're stored memories. They're things that happen to us. It's in our flesh. And we've got to go through the process of bringing it to a professional that can help bring it to the surface, eliminate it, and that putting it out on the curb, to me, is giving it to God and letting him take it away. So the God, God is the garbage man. <laughs> you heard this analogy, and he takes away the garbage, and now it no longer stinks when I open my cabinet. So I can suppress those things, or I can get rid of them, bring them up and get rid of them and be done with them for good. So those are some of the things that I've worked on. I'm also going right now, and, you know, I'm eight and a half years sober. I mean, I've got a, I've got a decent start. Um I'm going to a thing now, it's a brain training, and they put a probe on one side of my head and one on each earlobe, and I've played Pac-Man on the computer with just my brain, with moving these parts, um, different, different games and different elements, where it's helping me to change actual pathways in my brain. They use it for people who have uh, seizures, who have epilepsy. And it changes the pathways and the firing order in their brain. Now, if anyone can relate to uh, when we had carburetors on the cars and the wires had to be in a certain order. And if you have those wires mixed up in that order, the car would backfire, spit, and sputter. Now, what's happened in my brain as an addict is the neurons aren't firing correctly. And especially when you get post-traumatic stress disorder, anytime something comes up, the pathways attach right back to that painful incident and you get kind of caught in a loop and the thought keeps going round and round. That's why when we get caught on the thought of using, we just get stuck there. Oh my God, we just obsess over it. That's what I did. I would just obsess over the thought and it would take something to snap me out of it. So um, um, this is one of the uh, tools that I'm using now, although I don't get obsessive thoughts like that. I've worked enough with my thoughts that I know when I'm having a thought that I don't like that I can change my mind. I can change my thinking. I am not my thoughts. I am in control of my thinking now. I've also learned that my emotions don't run me. I get to choose it's a thought that causes an emotion, not an emotion that causes a thought. So I get to turn those things around. Now, with this brain training, as I call it, that I'm doing, it helps me when I'm in a situation to stop, think, and make a choice of what my thoughts are going to be. Now, let me ask you a question. You said when you first started talking about that, that, okay, that you've got some kind of sensors or whatever attached, I'm assuming, to your Mm -hmm. skull, and that Mm -hmm. you can think and just through your thought, thinking you're playing Pac-Man, or tell me, tell me more. But this is right. interesting, Debbie. I know. Hands off, hands off, Pac-Man. <laughs> There's no joystick. There's no mouse. Huh. I'm controlling things with my brain, and I was doing left side brain training, which uh, was talking to the therapist. We first ascertained that I'm a speed freak. I liked methamphetamines, cocaine versus the, the heroin, the barbiturates, and all those other things, which, which I used too. I didn't discriminate, but those are the things that I like. So the left side brain training works better for me. And I got a little bit too speedy on it. I was actually, I mean, I was on fire. I mean, I felt like I was doing cocaine, all the positive sides of it, but uh-huh. none of the negative. <laughs> and the um, uh, problem was I couldn't sleep at night. I was sleeping like maybe three, maybe four hours, and I was concerned the next day that I would be tired, but I wasn't. So I wanted to get that balanced out. I thought having a proper night's sleep would be the right thing to do, and I didn't want to have addict behavior and go, you know, I really like this speedy feeling. This is great. Let me have, you know, some of those caffeine drinks to go with it or something. So we Uh mixed in a little bit of right brain training, and I became depressed. And let's start chicken. Listen, let's just go back to the left brain training and let's, you know, give it a little time for my, my sleep to, to balance out. And, and it did. So, okay. Yeah, this is really fascinating. It's, it's time for our break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about this some more. This is pretty good. Interesting. Debbie, thank you so much. <laughs> Listeners, we're going on break. My guest is Debbie Strand, and we're talking about Say Yes to the Good Stuff. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
Unity Online Radio is affiliated with Unity, a nonprofit organization specializing in prayer, publishing, and spiritual education. If you enjoy our programming and would like to support this ministry, go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now to make a contribution. You can make a one-time or recurring monthly donation. Thank you. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach. Go into the locker room for one full hour with the championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. I'm very glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Say Yes to the Good Stuff. And my guest is Debbie Strand. Debbie is the host of the online radio show, Sober in the City. Um, and that's not on this network. but So you can't find it if you look at uh, on Unity Online. But you can find it if you go to www.soberinthecity.com. And uh, I know that you'd be really interested to hear what Debbie shares. She brings lots of great guests, plus uh, sharing her own thoughts and uh, her own experiences on that program. And she's got lots to say. Before Debbie and I get back to our conversation, I invite you to join me for the Serenity Minute for a moment, to relax, to share with me a constructive idea, to listen to some beautiful music, and to open up to that conscious contact with your higher power. So I invite you to relax to take a breath, to feel that peaceful presence of your higher power within and all around you. And share with me this constructive idea. Knowing my higher power is loving and guiding me, I accept lots of good in my life. Knowing my higher power is loving and guiding me, I accept lots of good in my life. We take a moment now in the quiet. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute, and I trust that that was an opportunity for you to take a breath, and one part of the way that you relax and the way that you meditate and pray and open up to that presence that is your higher power, that you're making that a daily practice, I hope, because it sure makes a difference, makes a difference in my life. And so now we're back to my conversation with my guest, Debbie Strand. We're talking about Say Yes to the Good Stuff. 
And before the break, Debbie was uh, sharing with us some of the things that she's done. Uh, Debbie does not just sit in those 12-step meetings, and not to, not to put them down at all. They're wonderful. She works that program. We're going to hear about that. Um, and also, we're going to – that she, she gets out there and she pursues lots of different things. She pursues whatever it is that's going to really keep her growing and keep her going. So she was uh, telling us about some different things that she's been doing. Debbie, tell us – now, how you got into recovery? What was it that propelled you into this big change? Uh, well, um, at the end, the last couple of years of my addiction, I, I drank and used drugs over a 25-year period of my life, um, starting at a very young age. And like so many people are here sharing in recovery, and in the end, I was a blackout drunk, a crackhead, and a junkie. And I was basically homeless, living from place to place. I had a uh, fiancé who had been sober five times for a year. And every time it came to writing a, a, a fourth step, he got locked up on the fact that an uncle had molested him. And he couldn't get past it. And he couldn't deal with it. And there were some other things that he had done while out in the streets that he just couldn't face and he couldn't deal with and he never thought that he would be forgiven and he ended up dying of his addictions. But before that, he had brought me to 12-step meetings and we would go in and we would be high and he would talk to me about God and, and sometimes, gosh, I would see the light in this man's eyes when he talked about God and, you know, I could just see that if he could ever get well, he would help so many people. And I just, I didn't know what that looked like, but I know I wanted it for us. And unfortunately, like I said, he passed away of his addictions, and we never got that opportunity. Um, I spent about another year and a half out there, out there hard after he passed away. I was so angry at him for leaving me here in this life to deal with this life by myself without him. And then he went without me, like he had gone to a party without me. You know, I was like this hurt mm-hmm. kid. It was all about me. Mm-hmm. And um, at one point, Anne, I had just gone to jail like any other day, was getting out of jail and just thought, you know what, I'd had enough. I sat down with the sheriff that was processing me through the Palm Beach County Jail yet again, and he took my handcuffs off. For some reason, he needed to be in this particular courtroom for a little while, and before he brought me into jail, he sat me down, and he opened up his brown paper bag, and he shared an egg salad sandwich with me. And as he handed me that sandwich, he said, Deborah, what are you doing? I said, I don't know don't know. And it was right then and there. Now, this was in August of 04, and my actual sobriety date isn't until December of 04. So I didn't get it right away. You know, I slipped out a few times in between. Um, You know, I had been in those meetings. I thought those people were too clean and shiny for me and that that really wasn't going to be the way for me. I thought that if I was going to quit, I was just going to have to quit. And somehow my family thought, well, let's send her brother and see if she'll go stay out at her brother's house. He kind of lives out in a rural part of town. And, and I was thinking, geez, you know, maybe I can go stay with my brother and, you know, I can quit living like this and start to get myself together and get back to health because I felt like I was very sick then. And um, when I got out of jail, my brother picked me up and, you know, I, I was having the same thoughts that my family was having. And I went home with my brother and... um between August and December, I slipped out a few times. You know, I, I wouldn't say I slipped in making my choice to use again. Um, I made that choice and I went. I mean, there were even times where I said, okay, I'm getting paid on Friday. Friday I'm going. This was like on a Tuesday, you know, so it wasn't a slip. But, I mean, I slipped out of the house. <laughs> right. I don't make any excuses for my choice. A action, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. And I think if everybody would be honest with themselves, they pretty much all are. I mean, I do hear stories where, you know, suddenly somebody's sitting somewhere and there's a drink right in front of them and they pick it up. But I've had drinks right in front of me and I've not picked it up. So I don't know. Everybody's journey's their own. But, um, you know, during that time, and I started praying to a God that I didn't understand. You know, I was raised Catholic and had been through sacraments and a lot of church and, and learned a lot about the Bible. And, and so I was praying out to this entity that was supposed to be of comfort. And I saw my Italian relatives cry and pray to a funeral, you know, so I gave it a try. 
you know, I started watching some of the religious shows on TV, um, Joyce Meyer, Joel Osteen, Dr. Charles Stanley, who's one of my favorites. He kind of puts stuff out there pretty plain. You know, I don't think you need to be a Christian or a Catholic. It's like you were talking about in your intro, those uh, principles, Mm -hmm. you know, the guiding principles that these people were putting out for me. I changed the things that I was watching on TV. You know, I wasn't watching The Godfather and Casino and The Sopranos. I started watching uh, Smallville and... um, Oh, gosh, there was another show. And it just things about family values. You know, I started changing my thinking. I started being there for my family. I started keeping my word. It took me about nine months to quit stealing, but I got there eventually. You know, I got a job. I was afraid to get my license in a car because I thought I would go use. And that's the other thing, too. I spent a year and four months without a program of recovery. I was just trying to do it on my own. And the things that I was, was doing were and are what the program is made of. I was making things up. I was making amends, you know. But I really didn't understand what my part in everything was. And I lived in a lot of fear, that fear of getting a car, the fear of having a driver's license. So I was still selfish and making my family drive me to a job. I mean, they were just so happy I wasn't going to die anymore. I mean, I was so sick. And uh, that they knew where I was every day and that I was trying to do the right thing. And I was doing the right things. So you were doing that without the fellowship or without really... Right, right, without the 12-step program. But then my brother that I went to go stay with, he ended up going to detox. He was eating pills like M&Ms, and my sister-in-law was drinking like a fish, and they followed me into recovery. And when my brother got home from detox, he was still coming out of his skin, and I said, hey, they got one of those 12-step meetings up the street. You want to go? And he was like, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. And he got a sponsor that night, and he started working steps. And over the next couple of months, I watched him change. I watched him turn from what our literature teaches us uh, as a restless, irritable, discontented person. I watched him turn into kind of this peaceful guy that cared about other people and was starting to help other people and do things for other people. I watched him change, and I said, you know what? I want to go do that. And I went in, and I started doing it. And, And during that year and four months, I stayed home all the time. I was afraid to go out. I was afraid that I would end up around people and I would end up drinking and using. I had no tools to keep myself protected and sober. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to handle life sober. So when I got into the 12-step program, I got a sponsor right away, like they suggest, and I started doing the work of the program, going through the steps with a sponsor who had been through the steps, who had a sponsor as a guide. It wasn't just somebody out there putting out what they thought was supposed to be a program of recovery. It's what had worked for them. Mm -hmm. And I started to change. And I started to become, after a time, comfortable in my skin. Anxiety was one of the biggest things that I had and one of the biggest things that I used, why I used Anne, to get rid of that pit in my stomach between my ribs that just absolutely tore me apart and disallowed me from speaking to people, looking up, looking people in the eye, going out to social functions, you know, and and just being out in public to to have a conversation like this with somebody back then with that anxiety, are you kidding me, would never happen. Mm -hmm. So eventually I heard somebody, it, it got better, but eventually I heard somebody say in a meeting, I thought you knew, I thought I knew what you thought about me. Once I realized I was not a mind reader, it got better. And what I've come to realize, and I hope this helps somebody else, when you walk into a room and you think everybody's judging you, that's just you judging yourself. That's what I would do. I would walk in and go, oh, that one doesn't like me. Oh, that one can tell, you know, my my shoes and my purse don't match. I'm not good enough. You know, they might have been looking at the person behind me. I don't even know. And pretty much what I know now is that everybody's in there fighting their own battles. You know, they may be looking at me, but I guarantee they're thinking about themselves. After all, they're alcoholics and addicts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I can only say that with the most loving affection because I have one. (laughs) That's right. That's right. But most people are just concerned about what's going on in their own lives. Everybody's got their own battles to fight. If we all threw our problems in the middle of the room, at the end of the day, we'd all go back and pick up our own problems and take them home. We don't want anybody else's problems. We really don't. So that's how I ended up in recovery. That's how I'm going through 
living in recovery, you know, a little bit at a time, doing a lot of service work. Service work has been huge for me, helping other women go through the steps and even talking to guys. You know, I don't shy away from that. But I've gotten strong. I went through the... Um, uh, the sister program, Al-Anon 2, and did the steps in that program and learned how to set very healthy boundaries. So it's safe for me to speak to a man, and if they get out of line, I have no problem saying, you know what, that's not okay. That's crossing my boundaries. You know, it's not okay when you speak to me like that or going, that's inappropriate, and just removing myself from a situation. So, you know, until somebody learns how to do that, they really should stick with their own gender because it'll be safer. Um, I see a lot of people come in and immediately want to get involved in relationships and are acting out sexually. I can't say that I didn't do any of that, but I was very lucky to get a really tough, loving sponsor who grabbed me early on and went, "Uh uh-uh, you're not doing this. Get away from the guys. Stop the dating. No more boyfriends until you get your legs under you and can make a better decision for yourself. Because the person that I picked out my first couple of years of sobriety, you know, called me up, I don't know, maybe a year ago and said to me, you know, I made a mistake. I'd love to put us back together. And I said, I'm sorry, the girl you knew doesn't exist anymore. They saw, yes, she does. No, she doesn't. I am not the same person that I was with a year recovery. This is not the person that I would choose. Now, I feel like I'm a grown woman. I've grown into my age. I've caught up with my maturity, and and I'm a strong person in recovery that has very healthy boundaries of what is good and what is okay for me, and that's how I live my life today. What are some of the uh, special uh, areas for women in recovery, Debbie? Um, addiction's addiction and recovery's recovery, and yet there are some, some special things, I think, for women that they need to think about. What are some of the areas? One you've talked about is, is being able to set boundaries uh, for yourself. Absolutely. What else uh-huh, is important absolutely. for women? The boundaries, the boundaries are huge because as women, um, when we were in addiction, we suffered a lot of abuse. And now, all of a sudden, we walk into a room with 12-step recovery, and we're checking out the cute guy in the second row. Well, guess who was the abuser when we were out there? (laughs) It was this guy that we're now checking out in a 12-step meeting. Now, that's not to say that all men that were in addiction and alcoholism were abusive, because I'm sure they're not all. And that's not to say that every woman has been abused in some way, but it's extremely prevalent. And we've got to give the men, as well as ourselves, time to heal, time to recover who God meant us to be in the first place. And he didn't mean us to, uh, uh, to be abusive to other people. Now, uh, whatever sex you want to have, they talk about it in the uh, basic text of the 12-step program, is up to you. You know, what, what, what you think is okay is your moral idea to decide. But what I think really needs to be instilled in the women and the men early on is that when we're getting into these relationships and we're looking to almost bring a man in as a hostage by using our sexuality almost against them, is that we're trying to fix our insides with yet something else outside of us. Okay, my addiction can act out in any direction. It could be shopping, smoking, um, over-exercising, eating, not eating, you know, overeating. It could be so many different things. There's, I mean, there's so many different programs of, of recovery, so many identified addictions, you know, Internet, uh, just so many different things, so hoarding. And any time that we're using something outside of ourselves to feel better about ourselves, we're acting out in addiction. And it's not going to work. It's a spiritual program for a reason because the only thing that's going to fill that empty hole in our soul that the wind blows through is a program of spiritual action. And I think the most deplorable thing that we can do, and we do it because we're sick and we don't know better, is to use another human being to fill that void. 
Hold you know, it's thought. one we'll thing be, when you're it's using... Time, time for our break. We'll be right back. Debbie, thank you so much for what you're sharing. My guest is Debbie Strand. Her online radio program is Sober in the City, and we're talking about Say Yes to the Good Stuff. Stay with us. We'll be right back. to be? It's a question we all ponder from time to time. Reverend Kelly Isola, host of Spiraling Consciousness and her co-authors, have crafted a guidebook that will take you on a profound journey. If you long for love, peace, and joy, or yearn for commitment, passion, calm, or clarity, this book teaches you that you already have all of these within you. Whatever you long to experience outside of you is an aspect of you wanting to be birthed. Who have you come here to be? 101 Possibilities for Contemplation is part daily reader, part spiritual practicum. Drenched in gorgeous imagery, each powerful page invites readers to dance, to leap, to sit still, to stand tall as they ponder the question, Who have I come here to be? Join the journey of self-discovery. Come explore the world within an infinite field of possibilities to discover who have you come here to be. To order your copy of Who Have I Come Here to Be? 101 Possibilities for Contemplation, go to www.whohaveyoucomeheretobe.com. That's www.whohaveyoucomeheretobe.com. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my guest is Debbie Strand. Debbie is the host of an online radio show, Sober in the City. And you can find that at www.soberinthecity.com. And we're talking about say yes to the good stuff. So, Debbie, you were talking with us about spirituality before the break and about how important it is not to use another person. That's really kind of the depths. Tell us some more about spirituality. How do you live a spiritual uh, recovery program? And how does that help you bring the good into your life and let it in? Okay, and I'd love to share on that, but I just wanted to mention that Sober in the City is on terrestrial radio in Riverside, California. <laughs> but yes, you can also get it on the Internet at SoberInTheCity.com. Okay. And, uh, if I didn't straighten that out, my, my spirituality of my business partners would, would not Farewell. <laughs> that would not. Thank you for clarifying that. All right. We appreciate Thank you. Thank you. My okay. spirituality has grown exponentially in this program. It's really incredible to see how it changes. Just when I think that I've gotten this connection with this power that's greater than myself, something more amazing happens and brings me closer. And not so much that I feel like I'm coming closer, but I feel more like I'm surrounded by this power greater than myself. When 
I try to explain finding a higher power to people that I sponsor. I tell them simply, because I really didn't have a problem with the concept. I try to tell them simply, listen, there's something that keeps this earth from spinning out of control and crashing into the sun and bursting into flames. And it's not me, and it's probably not you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought you never know. No. <laughs> Right? I don't know. You know, um, you know, but when they're coming to me and they're so broken and they're begging for help, you know, it's it's probably not them. Not probably at this not. moment anyway, you know. Yeah. But, um, you know, for me, it, it's, you know, I started with this on my knees and praying and so much. I don't, I don't do that so much anymore. I mean, I do humble myself before the creator that I believe in. In everyday worship, I mean, even if it's just listening to music and singing along constantly, I mean, in the music, I listen to Christian uh, uh, music all the time because I need that constant reminder in my head about God is there because I would forget early on. I would forget. I would be going through something, and somebody would say to me, well, have you prayed? You know, have you talked to God? What would God have you do? I go, oh. That's right. I forgot to ask about him. I forgot to refer to that. And, you know, as I mentioned in the last segment, what we have is a spiritual lack that we're trying to fill with things from the outside. So if I work on that spirituality, if I seek through prayer and meditation how to improve that conscious contact, then I'm going to be okay. Um, I'm going to paraphrase a line out of the basic literature of 12-step recovery, um, which says that the purpose of the book is to help you find a power greater than yourself that will solve all your problems, not just your drinking problem. When we straighten out spiritually, everything else falls into place. When, we're, when, when that hole inside of us, that gaping, seemingly endless black hole inside of us is full, we, don't, we no longer have the need to become numb and, and to do things that are not what God would have us do. Evidence being, for me, when I stopped putting substances in my body and I wasn't yet working a program, I was doing the things of the program. I was praying. I was seeking a God. I was making up for the things that I used to do. I was asking God what was I supposed to do for my life. What was the purpose? What was the meaning? I'm looking for direction. I was turning it over. I was doing all the things in the program, and I was actually even trying to help other people. I didn't know really what I was doing, but I think that is our natural way of life if we don't mess it up with sick thinking, which led me to drugs and alcohol. It's kind of like an airplane. If it spins out of control, if it's in a a flat spin, if you let go of the controls, if you have enough altitude, it'll straighten itself out. Now, the problem is, when we get really sick with drugs and alcohol, sometimes we don't have enough altitude to recover. And a lot of us die of this disease. And that's, that's a really hard thing to watch. Um, one of the things that I wanted to bring up, Anne, is I was talking last night in a meeting about insanity. We talk about insanity being doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And a lot of people talk about that. And I, I related it yesterday to a sponsee of what if we put a positive spin on that? What if every day we do what we did the day before when we stayed sober? What if we go and do it over and over again and get the same results? Won't that mechanic also work for positive things in our life? If it works for the negative, it will work for the positive. So if you've got one day sober, just one day, do today what you did yesterday, and you will have two. That's a new twist on insanity for me. <laughs> that's a good point. And, and you know, that's, even, that's such a simple practice, and yet it's powerful, and it really is a spiritual practice. Well, and it's hard for people to reach out for help. You know, it, it was really, really hard for me. I had no problem doing for other people. I had Melody Beattie herself was on my radio show once, and she told me that when you take away drugs and alcohol, you're left with codependence. 
So it was easy for me to do things for other people, but it wasn't okay for me to accept from somebody. And if somebody says to me, geez, Debbie, that's a pretty blouse, I don't want to say, oh, this old thing, oh, I got it at Goodwill, I paid $3. Because what I'm saying to that person is, you really have no taste, this is just a piece of junk. You know, to be able to accept, to accept the good things, to be able to accept the good stuff in life. See, as an addict, I'm not necessarily wired positive until I work on that and turn that stuff around. You know, so I go to the negative all the time. And when things go bad in life, I'm ready to deal with that. That was easy for me. When things went well, I got scared because I wasn't used to it. When things went well, I said, oh, geez, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop instead of just enjoying what was going well. Today I have a relationship with a man, and it's the most incredible thing because, well, first of all, he's the most awesome guy that ever walked the earth, I think. (laughs) And he's so kind to me, and he's so generous and giving, and, you know, of his time and of his caring and, and, you know, thinks about me and does things for me. And at first it was real uncomfortable. And I said, okay, this is the good stuff. This is what I've been looking for. And yes, I have to give back too and be an equal partner in this thing. But it was amazing to me that I was finally able to accept the good stuff. And that's a big difference for me. And I'm not sitting around waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm not waiting for this to go bad. I'm enjoying it. I'm having a great journey with this man. And this is a whole new deal for me. What is it, Debbie, that obviously all the things you've talked about today, I'm sure are part of what helps you do that. But what do you do uh, to keep that going, to keep yourself open to receiving what's good in your life? What I do to keep myself open to receiving what's good, um, I don't think about the bad. I don't think about negative things. I stay in the positive things, and that doesn't mean those thoughts don't come through my mind. But the same way I can walk up to an ice cream counter and say, I'll have a vanilla cone, and go, no, wait, make it chocolate. When I see a negative thought go through my mind, I observe it, I watch it, and go, you know, I might even stop and say, well, that was ugly. But I change my thoughts to something positive. And instead of having time to sit around and dwell on negative things, uh, watching the news, reading the newspaper, which are nothing but negative reports constantly, I stay busy in a positive life. You know, whether I'm helping somebody else, creating a radio show, creating a topic, being uplifting to other people, raising my dog, enjoying my new relationship, going to meetings, being out in the world, traveling, going out to eat in nice restaurants, going to the beach, doing the things that I enjoy, I stay busy enough that I don't have time to sit around and start thinking about the negative. What I would suggest to anybody else is get busy living a positive life. If you're bored in recovery, maybe you were just a boring dude to start with. You know, you've got to find what you're interested in. Look at maybe what you were interested in when you were 12 years old before you started using You know, whether it was painting or rollerblading or roller skating, go back to those interests. Try different things. Keep an open mind. I didn't think I liked theater. Now I like going to plays. I would have rather stuck a needle in my eye than go to a play. I didn't like to go to movies because I had the attention span of a gnat. Now I love to go to the movies. And I know I have it marked in my phone on my calendar what day certain ones are coming out so I remember to go. You know, I have interests today. I have friends. Um, I participate with my family. I've got a couple of brothers out of state. I may fly out and see them. I've got friends that are seasonal here. I flew up to New York uh, over Memorial Day weekend to go visit them. Um, I'm heading out to California to do a fundraiser for the Freedom From Addiction Foundation. Find something you're passionate about. We're going to do some golf tournaments out there and, and raise some more money to put some more people in treatment. You know, there's always somebody that needs help. There's always, I mean, I go on Facebook and talk to people. I have actual friends on Facebook that I have never met, and some of them I have met as a result of talking to them on Facebook and being uplifting and being supporting to each other. There's always something you can do. 
You know, I mean, I remember as a kid telling my mom I'm bored, you know, and she'd say, go clean your room. Well, Jesus, now you can tell your kids, jump on the World Wide Web and do something positive. (laughs) You can go create anything. You can do so much today. There's so much available. And as far as being in recovery, I mean, there's always something that we can do. And service work is everywhere. Whether you're in recovery or not, there's always an old person that needs a hand or a homeless shelter or... um, create a fundraiser or a fund drive and, 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 and gather clothes from people that you know. Call up everybody you know and email everybody you know in your uh, email contacts and, and get some clothes together and bring them to a halfway house or to a homeless shelter. There's always something that you can do. Get creative. Find your passion. Reach out. Help other people. Do God's work. Be of service to him and the people around us. So start being of service to others to get out of yourself and to stay out of that stinking thinking. That's great. Debbie, thank you so much uh, for being my guest today here on The Spirit of Recovery. And uh, thanks for telling us about how we can say yes to the good stuff and how we can engage in that positive life. And you are certainly a wonderful, joyful, humorous, and delightful example of that, really. Thank you for uh, who you are and for what you're doing, and thank you for your radio program, Sober in the City. God bless you, Debbie Strand. Thanks, Ann. Thanks for all you're doing to spread the message. Thank you, and thank you, listeners. Have a great week, and we'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. No matter how long you've been on a spiritual path, it's easy to get confused about God. Is God out there? In here? And who are you praying to? Finally, there's help to sort it all out. The Three Faces of God is a six-week summer series on Unity Online Radio, featuring co-hosts Karen Kelly and Reverend Ellen Debenport, author of The Five Principles. Together with their special guests, they'll explore the different aspects of God that show up in world religions and in unity. You might never look at God the same way again. The Three Faces of God is live on Mondays at 2 p.m. Central from June 3rd to July 8th. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. According to an ancient Hindu teaching... If you can only speak the truth and tell no lies for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment from Reverend Joan Gattuso and Unity Magazine is brought to you by Unity. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? 
Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit. Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Whether you love the Bible or hate it, turn to it daily or refuse to have it in your house, The Bible Alive, Exploring Your Spiritual Roadmap is a program designed just for you. Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley presents the Bible as a practical, powerful spiritual roadmap full of wisdom and guidance for the challenges of life today. A roadmap for your spiritual journey. Isn't that just what you're seeking? Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time for The Bible Alive, exploring your spiritual roadmap with Rev. Ed Townley, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.